You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we are working to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. You know, my dad always used to tell me, uh, I was a kid, I don't know why. Look, I grew up in a place where there were lots of cows, and so we would drive past the cows, and I would say, hey, Dad, do the cows mind being in the rain? And he would always tell me, wait, they're made of leather. They're waterproof. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. I don't know. Maybe they're waterproof. I never asked a cow. (laughs) But that was gospel to me. You know, if my dad said it, I just believed it. (laughs) All right. I think I can find everything here. Anchored Baptist Church, uh, here's the deal. This morning, I need to uh, reintroduce you to yourself. That's what, that's what I'm attempting to do this morning. I want to reintroduce you to who you are, who we are as a church. It's going to take some work for us to get there. You might notice up there that there's a lot of verses we're not going to get through all those verses, um, not even close, but let's, let's pretend like we're going to, all right? Uh, here's one thing I would encourage you to do. Uh, if you have the ability to go onto the church's website, or maybe you have a special app on your phone where you can download podcasts, this is what I did this past week, which was, maybe, maybe for you it'll be just fine, maybe you're used to hearing my voice drone on about things, but I went back and I downloaded the first five sermons of a series that we did in 2017 um, about one Peter uh, called, I think I brought the thing with me, hold on, A Letter to Handpicked Outsiders. Where is it? Oh, look at that. Some of you might even remember the graphics for that, right? Um, a Letter to Handpicked Outsiders. And uh, back then, you know, I didn't used to write my sermons out. I was just mad scientist, everything scribbles everywhere, and that's how I preached. And you can tell when I'm preaching. It was stressful for me to listen to. But some of you, I think, would probably like it. So I would encourage you to go on and listen to it, all right? Just the first five. You don't have to torture yourself uh, too too much, all right? But here's the deal. Um, Here's one thing that I've always known about Anchored Baptist Church, and that was that, yes, um, I got to go to work with my Father in Heaven and to help plant a church, and yet nothing that I would ever do would either make the church last, uh, hopefully nothing I would do would destroy the church, although that is more likely, Um, and last but not least, that God would be the one that would carry Anchored Baptist Church through to completion, whatever that completion looks like. And I know that because Jesus has promised that He is the one that builds His church, right? Now, that could sound a little bit strange because here I am all the time up here saying that Jesus does this, Jesus does that, Jesus does everything. And I think oftentimes, at least I hope oftentimes, when I give out a big idea and I say, hey, this morning, Jesus for you, whatever this thing is, I hope that some of you are sitting there thinking, I don't think that's true. I, I think I know exactly how that thing works. 
Wade. And then I hope by the end of it, you've been able to hear me well enough to say, huh, that might actually be true. That might actually strengthen my faith now that I know that. All right? That's what I hope happens in a normal service. And today, what I want you to hear is that Jesus promises to build his church. But it's not like when I make a promise. It's not like when you make a promise. I've been promising to do a science experiment with Finnegan for two days now, and I don't know if it's going to get done. I break my promises sometimes. How does Jesus make promises? He makes promises through his word, by speaking that word. And when God speaks a word, it doesn't just mean that it might be something that's possibly going to happen. When God speaks, it happens. When God says, let there be light, it happens. When God says, male and female, I created you, <laughs> it happened, right? So when Jesus promises, I will build my church, that's exactly what he intends to do, to build his church. In fact, it's, it's, it's a promise. Uh, a promise from Jesus is a constant action from God. In saying that, Jesus is promising that both through his word and by the work of the Holy Spirit, week in and week out, through very ordinary things, very ordinary and basic things, like mm, bread, wine, or juice, water, conversation, warm invitation from one person to another, maybe tired and pleading concern for a person, a cup of coffee, shared meal, desperate circumstances or really good circumstances. In the midst of all of that, through very basic, ordinary ways, Jesus has promised that he is going to build his church. Now, where am I getting that from? Let me start us off in Matthew chapter 16. And I'll lay out some of the context as we go. All right, because it might seem like, well, Wade, you're, you're kind of taking the promise of Jesus out of context a little bit. Maybe. I don't think so. Let's see. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged his, his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Now, we can't go into full depth on this passage. I actually just preached on this passage, except, I believe, from John's gospel. All right? I think it was John's gospel. And um, about, about the keys. Talked about some keys. All right, 
And, and what, was the, what were those keys giving God's people the ability to do? To forgive sin, right? To, to go about forgiving as you have been forgiven. That was the big idea that week. And, and, and here, that is exactly what Jesus is pushing towards, except for he's speaking specifically to Peter. And we talked about this when we went through 1 Peter. Is that because uh, Jesus is making Peter the Pope over all things on the planet Earth? No, not exactly. No, no. Why? Because G Peter was the one that just made the good confession. Right? And so now he's talking to Peter. Now it does just so happen that Peter, from Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 10, is the main actor, the main spreader of God's good news about Jesus and the main forgiver of sins in the book of Acts. That's all true. So does Jesus start the church on top of Peter? Yes, he most certainly does. Yeah. And you know who he continued that through? He continued it through Paul. And then he continued it through Christians all throughout history, and he's continuing it with you and me right to this very moment today at Anchored Baptist Church. One of the things that... Um, we'll get into here in just a second in 1 Peter, is one of the ways that I've always loved talking about our life together as a church. Um, in fact, usually I have that song playing at the beginning uh, about refugees. Gather around, uh, an invitation to come. You that are put out from your homeland. Why? Well, some of you are actually, right? Yeah? But all of us are. We actually have a home. That home is something that we usually talk about as heaven. That home is with our Father. It is beside Jesus. We have a home. For a short time, we're put in this place. It's a lovely place. It's a place where we are given to serve and love and spread the gospel and have families and plant gardens and all this stuff that Jeremiah talks about, right? It's beautiful. And yet, we know that there's something more than this as well. We are exiles from our homeland. We are refugees. We're a pretty uh, hodgepodge group of people, aren't we? Look around. You're all pretty strange. <laughs> Strangers and aliens in a strange land. Oh, oh, wait, me too. Me too. Yeah. And yet we've been called together. Uh, one of the ways that I've always described church in the past, that we usually talk about it, is that it is um, a place, uh, a people too, right? Clearly a people. We'll get into that in 1 Peter. Um, but it's where church is the place where God calls His people together to make them, now I'm forgetting the language, but full partakers of all of His promises in Christ. Where we get to experience the fullness and the richness of His blessings to us. This is what we get to do as a church. It's what we don't usually get to experience in the outside world. If we were to treat church like a place that we go to and that we're building it like a country club or a social club or something like that, it's a place where we network and we make connections and so on and so forth. 
Um, when we're building the church, it's not like that. Really, it's just a hub for making sure that you can survive in this world by any means necessary. Anchor Baptist Church, when we talk about being a church that Jesus is building, we're actually talking about resting in and relying upon Jesus, that he's going to do exactly what he says. So when Jesus is talking to Peter here, he tells him that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We talked about this in the Lord's Prayer this morning. Gates, uh, this is battle language when you're going to go and siege another land, right? Well, the gates of hell stand no chance at the gates of Christ's church, even at the gates of Anchored Baptist Church. No matter what troubles that we may face as a church, Jesus promises to continue building Anchored Baptist Church. Here's our big idea for this morning. And I have some uh, grammar people in the room. I might, after the service, I'll ask for your help with this, okay? Um, Jesus builds his church with his people by his word through his spirit. It might be through his word and by his spirit. I'll let you decide, okay? But for this morning, because that's how it's written, that's what we're going to move forward with. Jesus builds his church with his people, by his word, through his spirit. Over the next couple weeks, here's what we're going to talk about. Next week, we're going to talk about elders. Uh, the gift that elders, these are the people that are supposed to be leading God's people by the word in the church. We want to hear about the gift that elders are in the life of the church. After that, we're going to hear about the gift that deacons are in the life of the church. After that, now, just so we know, yes, set aside. Special, yes, but not so special, right? Because why? Because the elders, you know what they are? They're still members of the congregation. Deacons, you know what they are? Still members of the congregation. So three weeks from now, we're going to hear about the gift of the congregation, okay? The gift of all the people in the church together. And then lastly, on a final week, we're going to talk about all the ways that we worship together. It's through some of what I talked about this morning, but some other things too that we need to address. So that's kind of the layout for the coming weeks. And this morning, what I really want us to get a hold of and to understand is simply that Jesus is the one doing the work and we get to go to work with our Father. All right? In order to do that, we're going to dive into 1 Peter. We're just going to do a run-through of 1 Peter this morning. Maybe not the whole book. Hopefully the first chapter, but maybe not even that. You might have to go download the podcast and listen to it, okay? You can put me on double time. Actually, you might not be able to understand me on double time, uh, but you're welcome to. Peter, this is 1 Peter, chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, 
in Bithynia. All right. Let's stop there for just a second. This is a letter. It's written to a church. This church is full of different kinds of people. There's probably Jewish Christians there, or Christians who are ethnically Jewish. All right? Also, these churches are full of Gentiles. That is, Christians who are ethnically not Jewish. So, these churches that are mostly probably ethnically not Jewish are called exiles. Why? Peter is telling everyone here, you have a home, you're not in it. You think that you're in the country that you're from, but you belong to another country. Right? You belong with God for eternity. Your salvation was won for you by Christ. You are in Him, and for a time, you are exiled from that land. You're not in that land. You are dispersed from it. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father. You know who knows about this? God the Father does. And the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with His blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Peter, throughout the course of this letter, what is he going to do? He's going to keep on drenching them, raining on them, uh, and they're not waterproof, not like cows, okay? They're going to get drenched with grace and peace. It's going to be multiplied to them over and over and over again. Every moment is going to be increasingly filled up with undeserved and unattainable things by these people. All right? Grace, undeserved. Peace, unobtainable. God's going to keep on giving that to you. How is he going to keep on giving that to you? Okay, let's think about this for a second. Who is Peter writing to? He's writing to a church. Peter is writing to a church for a reason. He's not writing to an individual and say, hey, pass this out amongst all your Christian friends. <laughs> He's saying to the members, the people of these churches in this region, you're going to get that by being in this place that God has provided for you, receiving the fullness of His blessings that He wants to give to you by His Word and through His Spirit. Later on, before we um, take part in the Lord's Supper this morning, we will recite the Apostles' Creed together. And there, at the end of the Apostles' Creed, we read this, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic or Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And our catechism, if we were to study up on this, it would say this, what does this mean? I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to Him but that the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. 
in this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. And that's exactly what Peter is going to go on to say from here on out. Verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance. All right, get ready now. Here's your inheritance. A lot of people are sitting around waiting for an inheritance. Here's yours. And get this. This inheritance is imperishable. It is undefiled. It is unfading. And it is kept safe for you. That's what we just read in our catechism, actually. Huh, you would think this thing's actually based on the Word of God. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> we just read it. We're rereading it here now, actually from God's Word. What, what is it? It's, it's imperishable. That is, it is undestroyable. It cannot be taken away from you. It's undefiled. That is, it cannot be made unholy or ruined. Lastly, it is unfading. It's never weakening. What is that inheritance? What were we just talking about? That we have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 5, who by God's power, that is us and our inheritance, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you are grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. All right, tested genuineness of our faith. Um, you know what this isn't talking about? This is not talking about God needs to test you to make sure that you're pure gold. Now, hey, when we read the Psalms together, what do I say? I'll read the pale parts and you are solid gold, right? No, you're already solid gold. But you know what? You, you are going to be tempted. You are going to be tried. You are going to be tested. Not for God to see whether what you have is real or not. He knows what you have is real. He's given it to you. He's given it to you through Jesus. It's an inheritance that He is keeping for you. He's testing you for your sake. Yeah, there's going to be, what's that old word? Dross. All the dirt, all the grime. You know, eventually one day that's all going to be taken away when you are seated with the Father in heaven, giving praise and worship to Him, right? But even here in this life, you are going to be tried, you are going to be tested. Why? So that you will understand the faith that has been gifted to you and is being kept for you by God. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So what is this thing that can't be corrupted? What is this thing that can't be taken away? What is this thing that will never weaken? The salvation of your souls. 
It's the outcome of the faith that has been gifted to you. Concerning the salvation, actually we talked about this last week, yeah? Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but who? But you. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. All the prophets, all the angels, they were all waiting for the day for God to reveal just what the plan actually was. (laughs) And you know it now. You've experienced it now. You have it now. It's yours now, Anchored Baptist Church. Imagine Peter writing this letter to you because that's exactly what, through God the Holy Spirit, what has happened. Yes, this is a historical document written to a particular people in a particular place in a particular time, and yet this is written to you and for you so that you would understand, Anchored Baptist Church, just exactly who you are. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. Uh, I, I, I always go back to this. I can't remember what, tra- I keep looking it up. I can't find the translation. It's actually a very old translation. All right, so this preparing your minds for action, it's girding up your loins is the old phrase. Getting, like, tying up your, uh, your toga so you don't trip on it and die. Um, and <laughs> or you don't get it dirty while you're working. Uh, in other translations, it says, putting on your clothes for work. I love that phrase. Um, well, this is what Peter is encouraging us to do, to put on our clothes for work. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. All right, so two things there. Peter's always talking about obedience here in 1 Peter. Two ways he's talking about it. First way, most important way that he is talking about it is being obedient to the call of God that is the hearing of the gospel and the believing of that gospel. Right? Not scorning the Holy Spirit as faith is being delivered to you. That's the number one kind of obedience that we're talking about. The second kind of obedience is once you have that, Once that inheritance is yours, don't turn away from it. It's a pleading obedience that Peter is is taking here. He's saying, don't don't go back to the old ways. You don't need those old ways anymore. Anything you left back there, you don't need. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like a lamb without blemish or spot. I harped on this all the time when we were going through 1 Peter before, but let's touch on it again that you inherited from your forefathers. I love this because Peter's not just talking to one type of people. 
He's not just talking to Jews and he's not just talking to Gentiles. He's saying, Jews, you can't... <laughs> those, those ways that you inherited from your forefathers, they're no good. They're no, Peter, Paul goes into great depth about this, comparing Abraham and Moses and so on and so forth. And Peter just simply... And this is what I love about Peter. He just states a thing and then he moves on. Right? Paul will take chapters and chapters to endlessly describe and teach, which is helpful, even though confusing. And Peter just says it. The ways that your forefathers taught you, Jews, futile. Pagans amongst you, the way that your forefathers taught you, futile. Don't go back to them. Don't go back to them. Now, how many times, hey, how many times has, uh, has Peter given the gospel already? I think like three or four times already. All right? If you haven't noticed it, go back and reread it later today, and you'll see it there. Let me read verse 19 and move forward. But with the precious blood of Christ, like a lamb without blemish or spot, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest or made visible at the last times for your sake, who through him are believers in God. Oh, wait. For the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a, sincerely, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God." How do we know that everything that we have is it can't be taken away, won't fade, uh, won't be diminished in any way? Because it's promised to us through the living and abiding Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all of its glory like the, like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. And this Word is the good news that was preached to you. Ah, oh, man. Okay, now we're going to get to, the, to where we want to end off this morning. So put away all hate and all lying and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. That's a lie that directly hurts someone. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow into salvation. What's this pure spiritual milk? God's Word, Yeah. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to Him, a living stone, here we go, rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. Well, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
a people for His possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, anchored, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. That is, those who have not yet come to Christ. Honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. All right, Anchored Baptist Church, that's a lot of text. I can't actually preach all that text. We just got to let Peter preach it for himself here. What should be said about the text this morning? Well, what should be said about the text is that Jesus is that cornerstone. He is everything that the church is built upon and He is the one that promises to hold the church up. He's the one that promises to build it, to be the one that holds it up and holds it together. And who are you? You are a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You might not feel like you've been rejected by somebody. That's fine. You don't have to feel rejected. (laughs) The truth is, you were rejected. You know how I know that? Because you're exiles, refugees, outsiders, sitting here this morning that have not only been called out of the world by the Word of God to salvation to receive an inheritance that is imperishable, but through that same Word, you have been called together as Anchored Baptist Church. That's exactly what Jesus has done. He's called you and He's saved you, and He's called you together under one roof. Roof? How would I? (laughs) Roof. (laughs) under one roof to be Anchored Baptist Church. More than that, Anchored, man, do you know how much Jesus has blessed us as a church? Most church, new churches, don't make it past a year. I think something like 70% of all churches are finished after year five. Pretty soon, we're going to be celebrating our seventh anniversary. Now, you could look at me and say, but Wade, haven't we been on life support for some time? Yes, you're right. That life support is called Jesus. That's what we're told week in and week out. It's why each and every week, whenever the word is preached, I end it by saying, for you. Because there's one place where you should be resting in and There's one person that you should be resting in and relying upon, and that is Jesus. You are on life support, Anchored Baptist Church. I know that doesn't paint a very rosy picture, right? You're refugees, you're outsiders, handpicked by God, rejected by the world, on life support. That doesn't sound good. But Peter tells us that it doesn't look like victory. It doesn't look like victory. In fact, there's one victorious day. 
And that day is either your last day or the last day. It's the only victorious time that there is. And that's when all the things that have been, you know, straining off just a little bit of the dirt, straining off a little bit of the muck, pushing us more towards Jesus all along, the refining fire, well, it's when that refining fire actually burns out the rest of it. And we get to be at home with the Lord forever. It's the only victory day. Last night at dinner, uh, we were talking about um, what are the most memorable days of Anchored Baptist Church for each of our family members. And um, baptism services, all three baptism services. Yeah, that, that's just beautiful. Um, for me, that's probably the most memorable is all three of those services. Not just because two of my kids were in it, but because Anchor Baptist Church, the blessing that all of you have been to me for all of these years, and then us getting to experience that together, oh, it's just beautiful. Another one of my favorite weeks, um, I'm not going to embarrass Josh too much, my, one of my favorite weeks is when Josh showed up to church. But I won't talk about that. Another one of my favorite weeks, I, you know, this doesn't happen very often, but there are certain weeks, <laughs> this doesn't happen very often at all, there are certain weeks when everything actually goes right. <laughs> man, oh man. And when that happened, I remember, it was a week, Steve Osmond of Steve and Robin, some of you will know and remember and most of you won't, um, Steve came to church that week. And let me tell you, it wasn't anything I did. It just happened. The service turned out brilliantly. The preach worked. We were having a meal afterwards. And some of you will remember this too. When we used to have a meal, we used to stand here in a circle and take the Lord's Supper before we just went and got our food. And I can remember where most of you were standing that day. Something about that day. I don't know what it was. It was just a blessing from God that that day even happened. Each and every week, doesn't always feel like a blessing. Sometimes it feels like just moving chairs all day, right? <laughs> but each and every day that we have together is a blessing from God. Each and every day that we get to celebrate the inheritance that we have, that, 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 that forgiveness that we have in Christ because of the sprinkling of that blood on us. Each and every week that we have together, whether it feels like it or not, is a beautiful celebration of that inheritance that we share as brothers and sisters in Christ. Hmm. Anchored Baptist Church, Jesus has blessed us. He really has. And He's going to keep on doing that. Why? because Jesus promises to build His church. He doesn't do it through one person. He doesn't do it through a couple people. How does He do it? Jesus builds His church with His people by or through His Word and by or through the Holy Spirit. I'll let you decide. Let me pray for us. Father God, we love You. We thank You for this time together this morning. 
Lord, thank you for the great promise uh, that we have through your Son, not only of our salvation, but also the great promise that you don't leave us alone. Rather, you keep on interceding for us. You keep on building us up through your word and by your spirit. God, thank you so much that you have not left us alone, but the spirit of your son is constantly building up his church. God, thank you that we don't have to say uh, anchored is our possession. Thank you, God, that I don't have to say that anchored is my possession. Thank you, Lord, that we get to say that it belongs to your son, Jesus, who sacrificed himself for us, who ransomed us, and who gave us every good gift that he intended to from the very beginning of all things. Lord, thank you that in knowing you, in knowing what it is that Christ has done for us, we also know, Lord, that that's something that, that will never be taken away from us. Thank you, Lord, that we know that that's not something that will fade or, or rust and corrode. Rather, you're keeping us in your church in your salvation. God, we thank you and praise you. Thank you for all the ways that you've blessed us as a church. Lord, we also pray that you keep on doing that. Lord, as we know you will, <laughs> help us to be mindful of those things and to, to see them when they're happening, see them after they've happened, and to give praise to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.